morning, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I know it's not until Thursday, but we're going to wish you happy Thanksgiving anyways. How many of you are just so happy to be here this morning? Come on, isn't the Lord good? God is so good. It's just so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. This has come up a couple times even this morning about um, just the fact that Jesus gives us the strength. How many of you know that God doesn't give us something to do and then not give us the strength or the ability to do it? He doesn't give us something to do. He doesn't put something in our hearts to do for the Lord or for someone else and not give us the passion, the strength, the ability, the finances, whatever it is to do that thing that he's asked us to do that he's put on our hearts to do. Ephesians 2.10 says... For we are his workmanship, we are created by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to do good stuff, which God prepared beforehand that we should do them, that we should walk in them. So before we ever came to the point of wanting to do something, God had already created the opportunity for us to do something, and he had already prepared for that thing to be done. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, Christ was crucified. Wait a minute. You're telling me that before there was ever a problem with sin, there was already an answer. This is our God. This is our God. Before there was ever an issue, before there was ever a problem, there was a solution. And so for every single problem, every single, every single uh, situation that we face, there is already a solution in heaven. God has already provided the answer. There is not a, there is not a prayer request that you can bring, too great or too small, to the Lord that he has not already beforehand provided the answer for it's already there our struggle our difficult point is getting a hold of heaven and apprehending that thing that God has already set aside for us he's already given it to us he's already prepared it for us and so it's all there it's all in our account we just haven't brought it to bear in our life And so uh, I just want to encourage you this morning, Jesus is our strength. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is every single thing that you need for every area of your life. Jesus is, he has the answer for everything. And if we bring our prayers and we bring our requests to him, he is a God who listens. He is a God who hears And he is a God who answers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Good stuff. Hey, to to this morning, we're going to take a break from Walk Across the Room. I want to talk to you today about having a grateful heart. There will be no engage groups this week. No no engage groups this week. So I know, I know, I know. We're all disheartened with that. But we have Thanksgiving, and I know a lot of us will be cooking a lot and visiting people and friends and whatnot. And so this whole week, no small groups, Monday through Saturday. Uh, we have two more weeks of walk across the room, so don't, don't miss that. The, the wrap-up is going to be fantastic. But today I want to talk to you about having a grateful heart. 
having a grateful heart. Actually, I want to talk to you about cultivating a grateful heart. Sometimes we need to cultivate, sometimes we need to work at having a grateful heart. What does it mean to cultivate? See, what, what happens is when you cultivate something, you put seeds in the ground. Those are the plants that you want to grow. And then they start to grow. And then this, this terrible thing happens as your plants that you're waiting for fruit on continue to grow is you get weeds growing up in between. And you have to cultivate the ground to get the weeds out. And so we can cultivate a grateful heart. Sometimes we have to get the weeds out. Sometimes weeds come in, wrong thoughts come in, and we need to get those weeds out. We need to get back to the place where we live from a grateful heart. How many of you know that a grateful heart produces satisfaction? We think that satisfaction will produce a grateful heart, but it's the opposite that's true. A grateful heart produces satisfaction. How many of you are completely satisfied with your life? Not a hand in the place. You need to develop a grateful heart. <laughs> this is, this, obviously, this is a timely message. Timely. Wow, I, I, had, I had no idea. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> God is good. Satisfaction leads to doesn't lead to gratitude. Gratitude leads to satisfaction. Satisfaction leads to rest. Satisfaction leads to joy. Satisfaction leads to peace. Satisfaction leads to all of these things. But it begins with a heart of gratitude. It begins with a heart of thanksgiving. So sad that we only have one day out of the year to give thanks. Well, that's not true. We have one day out of the year where we celebrate the giving of thanks. But it should be our regular opportunity. It should be our regular activity to continually find things to give thanks to the Lord for. Let's look at some scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's three scriptures alone, 16, 17, 18. There's three scriptures alone that will take up all of you the time of the rest of your life. There's, there's three things for you to do. You, you, you don't know what to do and you're gonna turn on the TV? No. You don't know what to do and you're gonna go game for, for a few hours? You're gonna, I don't know what the latest Instagram chat something thing, whatever. Here's the instructions. Rejoice always. Rejoice sometimes. Rejoice on Sundays from 10 to 10.30. Rejoice always. 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 If there is a moment of time, rejoice. Rejoice. Give God praise. Give God praise. In that moment, give God praise. Every single thing that we do throughout our life can be worshiped to God. When we're washing the dishes in the kitchen sink, we can worship the Lord. When we're mowing the grass in the backyard, picking up leaves out of the backyard, whatever it is, there's a million things that we have to do, cooking food. We can do everything that we do in worship to the Lord. We can rejoice always. 
Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. <laughs> pray continually. Pray all the time. Just pray and don't ever stop. Kansas City, I hop out in uh, International House of Prayer out in Kansas City. They started a prayer meeting in October of 1999, and it hasn't stopped. For 23 years plus, they've just been praying without end. There's a prayer meeting that has started and it just keeps going and it just keeps going and it just keeps going and it's never ending. 24 hours a day, round the clock. There are people that come in at two in the morning to run the night shift from two to four. God bless them. We're all asleep. They're praying. They're praying. They're always praying. There's someone who's always praying. There's always someone who's watching. Pray without ceasing. Pray and don't stop praying. Just keep praying. In everything, give thanks. And here's where I want to draw our attention to today. In everything, give thanks. Not in some things. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. In everything, give thanks. How many of you know that it's easy for us to give thanks in things that we like? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm thankful for my family. They're all close. They're all here. How many of you know that it's hard to give thanks for a family that's maybe not close, that's maybe a little bit more dysfunctional? It's easy for me to give thanks for my job. I love my job. How many of you know that it's a little bit harder to give thanks for a job that you're not so happy that you're at, where the, where the coworkers aren't so friendly, where your job's not so easy? I'm thankful for, I'm, I'm thankful for so many things in my life. It's easy to give thanks for things that we like, but that does not, it doesn't say give thanks for the things that you like. It doesn't even say give thanks for the things that are good. It says in everything, give thanks. God, thank you for COVID. Wait a minute, what? How does that work? You know, COVID is, I believe, from the enemy. It, it's, God didn't bring COVID. The enemy brought COVID. God can use COVID. We can give thanks in everything because Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes. And so we can give thanks for, through COVID even not knowing the end outcome. God, I don't know how all this is going to work out, but I believe that you're doing something here. I believe that the enemy tried something, but you're going to do something and you're going to work this thing together for good. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what it's going to look like on the other end. Maybe we're beginning to see, maybe we're just beginning to see the outcomes of what COVID might be doing that might be good. What is it in your life that you thought, I can't give thanks for this? Bring it to the Lord. Sometimes we need to bring it to the Lord. We need to lay that thing down. And we say, God, I have no idea how you, you can expect me to give thanks to you for this situation. But God, I'm going to give thanks to you for this situation because it's, it's creating something in me and it's creating something so that I can move forward stronger, so that I can move forward better. And this is the heart of considerate pure joy when you come into various trials because we give up our right to understand what's going on and we say, God, you're in control. God, you've got this. God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to trust you. I trust you with my life, God. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my job. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with all things, Lord. 
I can cast my care upon you because I know that you care for me. God, I'm willing to give thanks in everything. I'm willing to give thanks in everything. We've actually seen, um, I've seen several good things come out of COVID. I know that there's lots of terrible, horrible, bad things that have come through COVID. But we've seen a lot of good things come through COVID too. And so I began to give God thanks for COVID very early on. I don't know if it was right away, but it was very early on, not knowing the outcomes that we would see. And now this side, two years later, has it been two years? Whatever. It, we're, we're giving thanks. We're seeing some of those outcomes. We're seeing how it has turned around. Psalm 100, we're going to read uh, verses one, the whole thing actually, one through six. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It is God who made us. God made us. He created us. He created all the good works beforehand. He has got it all worked out, and he is working it all out. Now, not everything that happens is of God. God is sovereign, but there is still sin in the earth. And so everything that happens isn't God's fault. Tree falls on a car. The insurance company's like, it's an act of God. No. No, God didn't do that. God didn't destroy your car. God can take your destroyed car and cause the insurance company to give you more money so that you can go out and buy a newer and better car. Now, that's an act of God. God's in the business of blessing. He's not in the business of destroying the enemy is the destroyer. God brings back better. The beginning here, verse 1, it says, make a joyful shout. We see every time, you know, I've, I've been searching through the scriptures all week long, looking for, at these thankful scriptures, these scriptures on thankfulness. Every time we see a scripture on thankfulness, there's always worship mixed in. There's always this, you know, sing to the Lord, rejoice, worship, bring him praise. Real close to, to Thanksgiving. It's almost as if worship is an act of Thanksgiving. And worship should be an act of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving should be expressed through our worship and through our praise. They should be so closely tied to one another that we can't tell the difference from them. The Bible tells us that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. When we worship, we put God on the throne. If God's enthroned on our praises, who's enthroned when we're complaining? Not God. Someone else. Where is, here's, the, here's the greater question. Where is God enthroned when we praise? Jesus is already seated in heaven next to the Father. The Father is already on the throne. And it says that God's enthroned on the praises of our people. So if it says that he's enthroned on the praises of our people, where is it that he's enthroned when we praise? It can't be in heaven because he's already there and he's already there whether you worship or not. God is enthroned, enthroned over your life. And God is enthroned over every situation when you choose to praise, when you choose to worship. And so we can invite the authority of God into our life simply by worshiping. We invite the presence of God into our life. We invite the Lord to come and fight for us simply when we worship. It was good. It was better than a whole lot of you responded. (laughs) 
The Lord comes to fight for us simply when we worship. Why do I worship and dance and spin and twirl the way that I do? Well, I'm kind of passionate about God, but I know that he wars for me when I worship. I know that he fights for me when I worship. I know that there are things that are just pulled right out of the way when I choose to worship. Things that I can never change on my own. God goes in and he changes the hearts of men that stand in my way simply because I worship him. This is what God does. I do my part, he does his part. There was, there was, I, I'm going to tell the, the swing story because it's just a good story and it fits here. There was this uh, lady that lived in the back of the nursery where we lived and she needed to be, she had MS, she would fall out of her wheelchair all the time and she needed to be picked up regularly. She didn't want to keep calling 911, getting the fire department, ambulance, all these people out. So she would call us at the nursery and she'd like, hey, can, can Matt come down and pick me up? put me back in my chair. So I did this a number of times. One of the times I was down there picking her up, she says, hey, you know that swing that's out in the front? It's this um, four-seater swing. It's got a little roof over it. She says, your grandfather made that for my dad. She says, I want you to have that swing. And I was like, wow. And I had never, I had never, I, I mean, I knew that my grandfather had made the swing. I knew that he had given it to her dad because they were good friends. And I had never had a desire to have the swing. And when she said that, I was like, wow, that's so nice. I want, that's good. I want, yeah, I'd really like that. That's so, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And she was like, well, you know, I mean, you come down here, you pick me up all the time and this and that, whatever. Cool. And so it's, it's big and it's, kind of difficult to move, so I had to get a couple guys together, so I was, I was calling a couple people, and I, you know, figuring on, okay, Thursday, we're going to move it on Thursday, so Wednesday afternoon, she calls me back, and she says, my boyfriend said that you can't have the swing, because uh, he doesn't want me to give it away, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, all right, I understand, and I was like, oh, really, that was, I, I didn't want it at all, but then she offered it, and I was like, wow, that's such a special gift, and then this, this other gentleman steps in. He's like, no, you can't have it. And I was like, all right. And I, and I, and I really, like, in, the, in that moment of time, in that day and a half, I don't even know, maybe day, I, I really did set my heart on that swing. It was like it, it went from not even being on my radar to being so special, and then it was pulled away, and I was like, oh. And I was like, all right. So then a few months later, the lady passed away, and now the, the, the gentleman who owned, now owns the swing, took whatever, owns the swing, who didn't want me to have it, it's his alone. And wouldn't you know that he gets sick, decides to self-medicate himself, and he winds up dying of uh, pneumonia because he was trying to self-medicate himself at like 52 years old. And, uh, and then, lo and behold, I got the swing. And I was like, Lord. I'm like, I didn't really want it that badly. <laughs> Like, you didn't have to take them out like that. And so I'm very careful about where I set my affections. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I really don't want that. No. How did the Lord bring that to me? How, I don't even, I, I mean, I'm just a worshiper. I just, I came and I, and I just decided to worship God anyways. And God fought my battle and he gave me the swing. 
not saying God killed him, but, um, but God did, did kill Ananias and Sapphira, right, when they stood in the way of what God was doing. And somehow, some way, God wanted me to have that swing. That's, that's my side of the story. I know somebody else has a different one. That's fine. That's fine. Psalm 100, verses 4 through 5, it says, uh, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. How many of you know this scripture? You've memorized this scripture. You can quote this scripture. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his, into his, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We know it. What does it mean? We have to understand that a gate is not just simply something that you walk through to get into your backyard. A gate is a place of authority and a, and a place of decision. In in 2 Samuel, when Absalom wanted to steal the kingdom from David, he went and he stood in the gate. It's a place of authority. He put on the, the, the kingly robes because he was the king's son, and he went and he stood in the gate. It's a place of authority, and he heard people's matters, and he made decisions. 2 Samuel. Go and look it up. Read the story. This is where Absalom goes and takes the kingdom from David. How did he do it? He went and he stood in the gate. He stood in the place of authority. Enter into. The way that we enter into the authority of God is with thanksgiving. The way that we enter in. How many of you want to go into the place where God is making decisions and God is saying, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes. God's answering our prayers. How many of you want to enter into that place of answered prayer? We get there through thanksgiving. We enter into his gates. It says right here, it can't be any any simpler, guys. Black and white. Actually, it's brown and brown. (laughs) Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Here it is, guys. The praise and the thanksgiving, the worship and the thanksgiving, they're tied to one another again. Come on. Somebody worship the Lord. Give him some glory. Worship him. Give him praise. Enter into his courts with praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. How good do we believe that God is? This, is, this can be a huge struggle for some of us. It is completely impossible to exaggerate how good God is. If I were to stand up here for the next hour and talk to you about how good God is and go on about how good he is, I, it's, I can't exaggerate. As much as I would try to uh, build him up and puff him up and make him look like the best thing since sliced bread, he's even better you'd be like, he's not that good. He's that good and better. We can't exaggerate. He is only good. He is goodness to the fullest. He is infinitely good. Our minds are just stopped because we really don't understand infinite. There is no end to his goodness. There is no area of his life where he's not good. But we see and we think and we ponder and we're like, oh, is he really good over here? Is he really good over there? 
And when we call God into question, our faith is weakened. God is good. For the Lord is good. He is good. One of the things that we have to work at believing, we may need to work at believing, is that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. God is good. Can I tell you something? Every mess I've ever been in, most of them have just been of my own problems. Once in a while, it's somebody else's having a problem, and I get affected by it. Last, uh, earlier this week, I'm driving home from uh, checking for something at the store. They didn't have what I wanted. What a wasted trip. Driving home, all of a sudden, I hear a crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm like, what? What was that? Like, I'm going slow. I'm stopping for the light. Somebody decided to change lanes, and they, and they hit me right in the side of my truck. That wasn't my fault, but it affected me. I got into a car accident. I was staying in my lane. I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. But somebody else did something that they weren't supposed to do. Somebody else sinned. And when somebody else sinned, it affected my life. And so everything that I walk in where it doesn't go the way I wanted to, either I messed up or somebody around me messed up. Somebody, either I sinned or somebody around me sinned. It's not because God did something. God is good. God is good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we pray, let thankfulness be part of what we do. Just stop and begin to give the Lord thanks. Just stop and begin to give the Lord thanks for different things over your life. Find things to be able to give God thanks for. Just make a list. You don't have to make a list. Just begin to look around. And just begin to thank him for things. God, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my wife. God, I thank you for, number one, first and foremost, most preciously, salvation. If God never did another thing for me after the cross, it was enough to thank him for for all of eternity. If we had an understanding, if we had just a, a little bit of an understanding of what salvation is and what it meant and what he did for us on the cross and what it means for our eternity, we would not ever stop giving thanks to God. Jesus literally changed our eternal destination because of the victory of the cross. We were destined to spend eternity in hell, and now because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can go to heaven. We will go to heaven. For that one reason alone, I will give God thanks all my days. I don't ever want there to be a day that goes by where I don't thank Jesus for the cross. I don't ever want there to be an hour that goes by where I don't thank Jesus for the cross. Maybe not even a minute, maybe not even a moment, just continually thanking Jesus for the cross, thanking him for his sacrifice, thanking him for what he did. It's that fantastic. It's that extravagant. It is the pinnacle point of all of human history. The return of Jesus is going to be fantastic, but the cross of Christ is the thing that made the difference. That was better than you responded. 
the return of Christ is going to be fantastic. He'll come back with a thunderclap. He'll split the sky. He'll, he'll ride through the, through the skies on a cloud, gathering his saints from the earth. It's going to be incredible, fantastic, miraculous. All of nature's laws will be upheld. People will be flying in the air. It's going to be amazing, but it's still going to pale in comparison to what was accomplished at the cross that nobody even saw. Until the centurion said, surely this was the Son of God. Greatest point in all of human history, the cross and the resurrection. The cross without the resurrection doesn't really mean anything. There were thousands of people that were crucified on a cross. But only one rose from the dead. Only one came back to life. Only one was able to say, death, you have no power over me. Death, you have no hold on me. And because he was risen from the dead, we all get risen from the dead. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, it's our sin that separates us from God and causes us to spend a life separated from him, eternity in hell. It's our sin. It's our disobedience to what God has already asked us to do, which he's actually already even given us the strength to do. He asks us to do something, don't steal, and then he gives us the strength to not steal. He asks us to not commit adultery, not look lustfully, fill in the blank. He asks us to do these things, but then he gives us the strength to do it, so we actually get to rely on his strength to do these things. And when we don't do what he's asked, it's disobedience and that's sin. And it's sin that separates us from God. But Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for all my sins. Past, present, future. Every sin in my life is paid for at the cross so that I can go and I will spend eternity with him in heaven. Bonus is that I get to be healed in my physical body right here on the earth and I get delivered from every evil spirit that there is. It's actually all three rolled up into one. Jesus doesn't separate them. This is why when the man was let down on the mat through the roof, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, take up your mat and walk. And he says to the Pharisees, which one is easier to say? And I'm counting the words, and I'm like, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. It's actually fewer words to say, your sins are forgiven, than it is to say, it's more words to say, take up your mat and go home and walk right? And I'm like, I don't understand. It's actually easier to say your sins are forgiven. What are you talking about? He's, what he's saying is that they're the same thing. I'm saying the same thing. Salvation is sins forgiven, sicknesses healed, and demons cast out and gone. No more influence allowed in your life. This is salvation. If you haven't experienced that, experience it today. Experience it right now. The power of God is right here. If you've already accepted Christ into your life, accept him as your healer. Allow healing to flow over you right now. If you've already accepted Christ into your life, allow Jesus to just deliver you from from evil spirits, that there be no more tormenting spirits, no more negative evil thoughts in your mind. He can do that. 
He's here to do that. That's why he came. He didn't come just so that we'd go to heaven. He came so that we could live the abundant life here on the earth. The abundant life doesn't include any demonic influence in my life. As a matter of fact, the abundant life means that there's zero demonic influence in my life. The abundant life means that there is zero sickness in my life. Now, I'm not living that perfect abundant life. I still have sickness once in a while. But I'm getting better, and Jesus keeps moving, and we're coming to a place where we're about to see the fullness of his kingdom poured out in our life. So pursue that. Come on, it's available to you. It's available to me. How did I get there? We're nowhere near our scripture. I have no idea. Let me just grab a drink of water. That was good. That was good. Oh, I know. We started thanking Jesus for the cross. Yeah, that's what led me there. Wow. That's what happens. This is what happens. Just start thanking Jesus. Thanking him for the cross. God, I thank you for this platform. I thank you that steel has structure and it can support my book and my technology. I thank you for technology that doesn't ever work. And then I forget my iPad and the team in the back has got to be superheroes and make it, make it happen. I thank you for prayers. I thank you for prayer requests. I love the fact that we get to pray for your prayer requests. Please keep them coming. Love, 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 love praying. We have seen so many answers to prayers. I've told you this before. I'm gonna, I've got a prayer list. And years ago, I put, two or three years ago, wasn't that long, I put 30 things down on my prayer list and just started praying for them. Didn't really think about it. I'd never had a prayer list before where I actually wrote things down. And uh, so I wrote it down. I wrote down 30 things. It wasn't like I sat down and put 30 things at once. I put 10, went back a few more, a few more, built it up to 30. And I just started to pray. I didn't really look at it, the results then too much. And then about two or three years later, the Lord encouraged me, kind of, you know, spoke to my heart, said, hey, go check out how we're doing there. And so I went through and I put hash marks next to all the yes answered prayers and I put X's next to the ones that I didn't get answered the way that I wanted to. You know what I got out of 30? I got 20 prayers answered with the hash mark just the way I wanted. And I got two that were answered with that X that didn't get answered the way that I wanted. Well, God knows better. And then I got eight more that I got to pray, I'm still praying on. And I'm like, God's a God who answers prayer. Hey, God's a God who answers prayer. Did you know that God's a God who answers prayer? I got 30 prayers over here. 20 of them have been answered just the way I wanted them to. What kind of odds are these? You know what I think I need to do? I think I need to up this. I'm down to eight. I need to crank that thing back up to 30 because God's a God who answers prayer. And if I'm not, if I'm not putting my prayers out before him, he can't answer me. Now, when we pray, we pray with thanksgiving, the word says. So we thank him for it before we even receive it. Make a prayer list. Just start writing it down. See what God will do. See how he answers your prayers. I went back. I was shocked. I mean, I believe in the power of prayer. Let's be clear and honest. I believe in the power of prayer. I'm going to pray all the time. We've seen people healed as a result of prayer right here regularly and often throughout the, throughout the congregation. I mean, many of you can raise your hands. I believe in the power of prayer. I, I was shocked when I got 20 answers. I was like, holy cow. I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm like, I just need to write more stuff down. I just need to, to, I need to keep this going. I need to keep the testimony alive. 
as we add thanksgiving to our prayers, it eliminates anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God. So when we mix our prayers with thanksgiving, eliminate anxiety. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. That's the scripture. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? You don't have to believe it here. You have to believe it here. Faith isn't a head thing. Faith is a heart thing. Faith, is, faith doesn't have to make sense in your mind. How did Peter walk on the water? Faith. It doesn't make any sense to my mind. I can't make it make sense. There's, I can jump every ways, three times of sideways, and every time I put my foot on water, I'm going down. But by faith, he did it. He did it. Faith is a divinely imparted grace to the heart, which can bypass the mind. I'll say that again. Faith is a divinely God imparted grace freely given to the heart. It bypasses the mind. It's where it works best. When we put faith back up here, we're going to have a lot of problems. This is where we come to the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I walk in peace that passes understanding. I don't have an understanding of how this is going to work out, but I have peace because I have faith. How's it going to work out? I have no idea. COVID comes, and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? (laughs) Lord, what's going on here? I know you're not making people sick. Lord, what's going on here? This is the question I ask. This is me and the Lord having conversation. The answers come slowly sometimes. I'm not saying like, you know, I get it right away. uh, Two years later, I can be like this and that and this and that. And be like, oh my gosh. No. See, but I trust him. I know that he cares for me. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. There is no doubt in my mind. I'm past having doubts on the idea that God cares for me. First Peter 3, I don't know, 4, uh, something. I'm not sure. It's in Peter. First or second, I'm not even sure. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Are you convinced that God cares for you? If you're not convinced that God cares for you, You're going to have a hard time with thanksgiving. You're going to have a hard time with faith. You're going to have a hard time with a lot of things. God cares for you. God cares for you so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, to die on a cross for you. That God himself in the flesh came and died on the cross for you. Why? Because he cares for you. If it was just you, he would have paid the price. He cares for you that much. While you were yet sinners and while you were yet an enemy and while you were stepping on his neck and spitting in his face... He died for you so that your sins would be forgiven. That's how much God cares for you. Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy? The joy was you. The joy was relationship with you. That's the joy that was set before him. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. He died for you. 
He came for a relationship with you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. Why is the whole thing going on? Why, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we here? You. It's you. Him, you. He wants this relationship. It's him and you. It's what it was in the garden, and it's what he brought us back to. And then there's heaven, which is even better. Glory to God. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow. Bill Johnson says, emotional health, um, what, is he, what does he say? I got it here in my notes, but it's in a different note. I got to go back. The key to emotional health is to rejoice always. The key to mental health is to give thanks in all things. When we, yeah. The key to emotional health, our emotions, sadness, happy, joy, right, emotions, the key to emotional health, being healthy in your emotions, is to rejoice always. The key to emotional health is to rejoice always. Rejoice always. The key to mental health, how many of you struggle with mental health? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> I know we're hand raisers over here, but we don't need to share that with everybody. Confess your sins to one another, but not the whole body. Confess your sins to one another means confess it to your closest brother. All right, don't tell everybody. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> the key to mental health, how many of us struggle with mental health? Don't raise your hand. Is to give thanks in all things. Is to give thanks in all things. Is to give thanks in all things is to give thanks in all things. There's actually a medical um, study that begins to prove this out, that when we give thanks to situations that are uncomfortable, all things, when we give thanks to situations that are uncomfortable, we, we mentally prepare ourselves for that thing. But if we ignore what's going on, we refuse to acknowledge the thing that's going on, we, we mentally struggle, which can lead to anxiety, which can lead to depression. It says, um, it says in, in Proverbs that anxiety in the heart of the man causes a depression. This is literally the word of God. But when we give thanks to God for a situation that we don't like, when we give thanks to God for a situation that's not comfortable, it releases the anxiety and it, and it cures us from depression. We are able to go through the negative thing or through the bad thing or the, through the thing that we maybe don't like because we've given thanks. Wow. It's wow. It's, it's fantastic. I forgot which slide I was on. I just did that one. All right, well, here we are. Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. How many of you remember the song? Does anybody remember the song? You're going to make me sing? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is faithful. I, I, I should have looked that song up. Wow, that's a good song. It's right from Scripture. Do you know how many times I punched this in to, to find it in, in you version? Nine, nine Scriptures came up. This is everywhere. This isn't just a one-time occurrence. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's what? He's good. 
Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His what endures? Mercy. Mercy and love. love is, mercy is a, an aspect of his love. Grace and mercy, they're both aspects of God's love. So when, he, when we say mercy, another translation, this is New King James, another translation actually says, for his love endures forever. Uh, and that's where they sing the song from. But his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. You know the greatest aspect of my life? The greatest thing that I would ever say about my life God loves me. The greatest thing that I can say about God, about me, that the greatest thing I can say about me, 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 if I'm going to be completely selfish, let's, let's talk about me. What's so important about me? Number one, God loves me. That's the most important thing in my life. When Mary and Martha, Lazarus was sick and dying, they sent word. To Jesus. The first thing that they, what did they say? They didn't say, hey, you know your buddy Lazarus? They didn't even use his name. What did they say? The one who you love is sick. What's the most important thing that I can say about Lazarus? Jesus loves him. He's not, not just that he's loved. I mean, I love my wife, but Jesus loves my wife. I love my kids, but Jesus loves my kids. A lot of y'all love me, thank you. But Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I mean, I thank you guys all for your love, but the most important thing, doesn't even matter that I have an ability to memorize the word, that I have joy, that, I mean, I can make a list of what's great about me. My wife could help. <laughs> 29 years married, today's our anniversary. Best 29 years of my life. Mm. We are sappy. We are lovers. And uh, we are not going to be ashamed of it or hide it. Uh, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> this is what happens. God loves me. God loves me. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. If you doubt the goodness of God, take it to him. Be honest with him. He'll honor, answer, he'll honor honest questions. He always does. The angel comes and visits Zechariah, and the angel comes and visits Mary, and they both say, hey, this can't happen. And one gets an answer, and the other one says, uh, you're going to be mute for the next nine months. How did that happen? How did that happen? Mary says, how can this be? I, I'm not even married. I don't know a man. And the angel says, the power of God will overshadow you, and you will become pregnant, and you'll bear a child, for the Lord is with you. Mary says, let it be done to me according to your word. The angel comes to Zechariah. So in Luke, it's actually Zechariah's first, but I'm just switching it up for you. Comes to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son even in your old age. And he's like, I don't think that's going to happen. That can't happen. You sure that's going to happen? And the angel's like, because you haven't believed, you're going to be mute for nine months until the baby's born. Okay. 
God answers honest questions. God answers honest questions. If you have a problem, take it to him in prayer. Take it to him in prayer. And be open and ready for the answer. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever, forever, forever. There's never been a moment of time where God hasn't loved you completely and wholly and unconditionally. And there will never be a time where God doesn't love you wholly and completely and unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's love. And there's nothing that you can ever do to get yourself out of God's love. David said, if I make my bed in the pit of hell, behold, you are there with me. This is our God. This is how he loves. There's no place where we can go where he's not madly in love with us. Sin separates us from God. Sin makes it so that we can't see him. He still sees us. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. Making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life is about saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus and I want all the benefits that he has for me. It's about admitting that, hey, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. I've been disobedient in the past. But I want to follow Jesus from this point right now moving forward. And so if that's you today and you're here and you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, you want to make the decision to follow him for the rest of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to pray it with me. And then I'm going to ask you to check a box on your Engage card so that we can send you some information. When you get saved, when you give your life to the Lord, when you make this decision to follow Christ, you get saved from your sins. You no longer have to pay the consequence for your sins because Jesus paid it. You get healing in your physical body because Jesus paid for it with the stripes on his back. And you get deliverance from any kind of demonic oppression because that's what Jesus did. That's what salvation is. If you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Christ, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you died for my sins that you rose from the grave and are seated at the right hand of God. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, it's like I just introduced you to Jesus like I would introduce you to a friend. And so you began the beginning of a conversation with him and you get to have this relationship with him just the same way that I and most of the other people in this room do. If you made that decision today, I'm going to ask you to check your card. It says, today I follow Jesus. I'm the Lord and Savior for the first time. If you check that box and you have your information written down here, your name and address, I'm going to send you some information that describes this decision that you made and what your next steps are. Next step, first step, get into a good church. If you like us here, we'd love to have you here. If you don't like us here, go find another church. But find a church. Get into a body of believers. You, that's the number one most important thing for every believer is to get into a church so that you can grow with a spiritual family. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys for coming today. Have a great Thanksgiving this week. Elizabeth, come on up and receive the offering. Hey, think about who you might invite to Thanksgiving if you haven't already. 
I know we're going to have a full house at our house. I have no idea, 15, 16 people, something like that. But it's going to be a good time. So thank you, guys.